Okay. Y'all, I have, um, I have eight pages of notes. And I am not going to preach all this, but I had to have it on here so that if I forgot something and the Lord reminded me about it when I was in it, that I would have a place to look. This has been, you know, I've been working on this word for a, a, a good month, but um, there were so many things I was finding and I was like, Lord, I just want to... I don't know what to do with all that. So I'm just going to, y'all have, y'all always give me such grace to just kind of um, plow and tiptoe through the tulips or whatever I'm going to do this morning. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for the grace that we need for this word today. Lord, I thank you that you're bringing the word, that you're bringing the activation of the word, that as we hear the word, Father, we will have revelation uh, in a new way, in a deeper way of who you are and what you're calling us to in this season and who we are. Lord, thank you for the revelation that you're giving us of who we are in Christ Jesus. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Today, we're looking at a door of hope. Um. Since September of last year, we've been preaching about uh, doors. And because 5784 in the Hebrew calendar is um, about uh, a door, and we're in the bigger decade that we entered in the fall of 2019, the pay decade, the decade of the mouth, which is a door, you know, it's a gate, the mouth gate. Got the ear gate, the eye gate, the mouth gate. And uh, so in this context, God has given us about 10 years to get our mouth straight. And, <laughs> and our ears really hearing what he's saying. And, uh, and, and so Proverbs 8, 34, and 35 has been very figural for us. Danny's been preaching the hind legs off of the door horse, so to speak, over the last few weeks. And even last week, I mean, I was watching online and I was praying for him and praying for us because it was a hard passage. Anybody remember it? you remember that about Sodom and Gomorrah and the door? That was hard. And I was saying, gee, because I hadn't had a chance to really talk to him before he went and preached. I was like, oh, wow, here he goes. Jesus, help him. <laughs> right? <laughs> and today, this, when the Lord spoke to me the title, um, I was like, that is so cool. Door of Hope. It sounds easy to preach. And then I looked at where it was coming from, and I said, Jesus, help me. Um, but the passage is Hosea 2, verse 15. Then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Accor as a door of hope. And if you know very much about the valley of Accor, you know it was a, it's called the valley of trouble. And the person that was the troubler of Israel, um, Achan, or Achan, or however you want to pronounce his name, he, he was called the troubler that brought trouble on the whole camp by choosing poorly. Proverbs 8, 34 and 35 says, blessed. Uh, this is, I'm just going to, can I spend like about 10 minutes in review? Because I like to go back and gather up what, what we've already laid out. Happy, straight, level, going forward in successful prosperity are those who listen to me. That word listen means shema in Hebrew. It means hear, listen, and obey. In other words, I'm not just, okay, I see what he said, but I'm going to go do my own thing. It's hear and obey. Blessed, happy, straight, level, and going forward in successful prosperity are those who shema. 
Those who watch like a watchman daily at my doors, the Lord says, who are waiting, guarding, shimmering, protecting. It's the same word in the garden. He said, I, I give you this assignment. You must shimmer the garden. You have to keep on the, you have to become a watchman and you watch. You know, it's that same feeling that um, those of you who are parents, when you just, you're not sleeping and you say, well, let me just get up. Let me just get up. And then you begin to pray for your children because you knew that was what, there's a, there was an assignment in it in you not being able to sleep. But you can watch all day long. Being a watchman is, is the coolest position um, as that, that the Lord can give you because we're the people that get to announce good news. Our God reigns. That's a, that's a watchman's job too. It's not just looking out for the enemy, but it is announcing good news. Amen. And he says, you, listen to me, watch daily at my doors, wait or shamer, guard and protect. It's not waiting like this. It's waiting like this or like this, <laughs> armed and ready. That's right. And for those at, at the doorway, at the posts of my doors, all, all these words are pregnant with meaning. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. So um, these are a few of the thoughts that I've like just been blessed by as we've worked through all this little season we started in September about doors. Y'all know there's an increase in chaos and contention around you. So to do what the Lord wants us to do at this moment... It, it will take endurance and strength. And I'm talking about supernatural because the enemy is bent, bent on harassing. Um, Anthony, told, we went several months ago, um, I was talking about that passage from Daniel in, in our um, worship time right before we, the praise team comes in. And um, I said, you know, it, it, the word in Daniel says that the enemy would try to harass the saints or wear them out. It's not, a, it's not physical. It's, it's against your mind. And Anthony said, in war, if an enemy knows it's a weaker force, what it does is begin to harass the other army's mind. It wants to harass because they, the enemy knows he's weaker. He knows he doesn't have what the other army, the army of God has. So he, he wants to wear out your mind. Um, but there's an increase in chaos and contention. And the Lord is saying over and over, do not be afraid of the shaking. As long as you stay rooted in the fear of the Lord, that protects you from every other fear. This is where wisdom begins. There's a pattern in scripture that God uses times of shaking to rip the cover off of corruption, to bring realignment, to build his kingdom, and to bless his people. Um, this, is, uh, this is such a, a powerful word that I'll say it again. Shalom doesn't mean just peace. In, in all things pictorial in the Hebrew language, shalom destroys the authority that tries to bind you to chaos. The chaos may be swirling out there, but the authority that tries to bind you to that chaos and suck you uh, into a place of chaos, that's what shalom is. It, it, it breaks that authority. So God is not a God of chaos or confusion, but he will step in and create a brand new thing in that midst. You see, this is in Genesis 1.1. Right? Everything that happens is not good. But he has the ability to make everything work together for good 
for them who love him. The picture that I have been, the Lord has had me in um, for about two or three weeks now um, has been the the winds, and I, I'd never really looked at this, but a lot of the prophetic is looking at the wind. And I don't know if y'all remember, but I think it was in, in the middle of January, we had some of the worst winds we've had back to back. Like hurricane force winds in January. Remember that? It was like twice in a week. And all these prophetic words had just been floated out in the community that some, if you go and you can study the winds of God, you'll see there's an east wind, a west wind, a north wind, and a south wind. But God's favorite wind to use is a whirlwind. And I was like, there's a lot of destruction around a whirlwind. And the Lord said, you know, where, you know where you're safe when it comes time for a whirlwind? And I, was, I, I really was seeing a hurricane. Like, he said, if you'll slip in through the confusion to the eye and stay with me here in the eye. And I said, well, Lord, I've only ever been in the eye, maybe like really an eye, maybe once or twice in my life, but the first time it made a real impression on me. We, I had to be in about the fourth grade, and the eye of a hurricane came over right through Beaufort County at the other end, and it had been like about like Wizard of Oz kind of wind tearing the house down kind of stuff, and then I thought it was over, and I remember Mama saying, no, it's not over but you can go outside now. And I went outside. It was quiet. Clear blue sky. Water everywhere. But the worst winds were yet to come because it was the back, you know? And so I, I remember being out there, and it was not too long, and then it's like, you need to come back. You could begin to see the other side of the storm coming. And so I was like, Lord, I, I don't know how to stay in the eye. That seems like it's the only safe place. And he said, that's the Psalm 91 place. Abiding in the shelter. Let my wind come tear down every, every structure that has been built up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and you stay with me. I was like, is it, I've seen storm watchers from a distance follow a storm, but I've never heard anybody talk about getting into the eye of the storm and staying there. Could you do it? I don't know if it's even possible in the natural, but I think that's the picture the Lord was giving me in the spirit. He was like, if you'll keep moving with me, I'll go ahead of you. I'll come behind you. I'll be on this side and this, and I will keep you safe in the eye. You won't even know there's been a storm except you're stepping over the baggage and the destruction as he tears things down that have been built as like, you know, entrenched that we couldn't get rid of. Amen. Amen? That's a picture. This is also a season of supernatural sowing and reaping. Isaac sowed in a drought and reaped 100 fold. There is provision and supply at every door that Jesus is opening for us right now. Psalm 118, 19 says, open gates of righteousness. And whenever you see a gate, that's also a door. He said, when open gates of righteousness and I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. And I said, Lord, how can a gate be righteous? How can a door be righteous? He said, there are gates of justice. There are gates of rightness of equity in measure you know, like a, a just scale that measures what it says it measures. There's, there are gates of, of uh, righteousness in government, in speech, in ethics, 
in vindication. There are things that, that God wants to vindicate in this season and give back to the church. There are gates of deliverance, victory, and prosperity. What, these are things that are right and normal. <laughs> and a previous day would, like if they, I don't know, if they showed up today and said, what in the world is going on? What is going on? These things are things I think almost everyone on the planet would say, that's right. God's restoring what's right and what's normal and what's just. This is a transition place. It's, like, it's not just that the doors open. It's, you know, like when we go through a door, we just leave one room and go into the next room, right? You just move through. But we're literally transitioning from one realm to another realm. This is a different kind of door I've never seen or experienced myself. And I don't really have the verbiage to talk about it, except that I know that we are transitioning from one realm to another called righteousness. Right? And this is a season of supernatural strength. It's not weariness and fatigue. Um, the Lord spoke to me last um, fall and said, exertion does not have to lead to exhaustion. He's like, I need to break that mindset in you. And the things that caused, wore you out in a previous season, it ain't no problem in this season. And I'm going to tell you something. Joy is our portion. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So this is a season of supernatural strength. And it, it's going to come from staying in joy. Um. Isaiah 28 says that the Lord will be a spirit of justice for judges and a strength for those who turn back the battle at the gate. And so at every, every door, I know that there's a war. Um, I, did, I looked at this maybe in October. There was a, there was a war at the door in the garden. The snake was the most cunning, crafty, and, um, you know, he knows our identity better than we do sometimes. So he went for Adam's eyes by going after Eve because she was created to stand back to back with him and be eyeballs on what he could not see. And God had told them that if they would shamir or guard and protect their garden by eating freely from every tree in the garden except that one, which they did not need, God created he, that that would keep them safe. And so there was, uh, I noticed that when people do not win the war at the door like Eve didn't and Adam didn't, there's no repentance. There's a lot of blame shifting. It's figure out whose fault it is so we can pin this on somebody but not me. What was that old cartoon? It was like, who left the cereal out and spilled it all over the floor? Not me. And they, it was a little family circus. And they so every, every place, so who messed up the bathroom? Not me. And who... Who left the milk out? Not me. And so the, the, uh, the artist always drew this little imaginary child. It was a ghost child. And the child's name was not me. <laughs> not me. Won't me. Not me. Not me. <laughs> right? But, but, but repentance is beautiful whenever the Lord opens a door. Ooh, teach us quick, Lord to be quick to repent. Um, and so because there was no repentance and there was blame shifting and the door to that beautiful spot had to be closed and barred, but God would not leave them without the promise at a new door. So he gave them a new era 
called babies. God's plan. One of God's best ideas that the world should go on. A door was evidently available to that first baby because as the door of the garden closed to Adam and Eve, a new door opened when the two became three, but God always gives a choice about going in. Danny preached this not too long ago. Cain became furious and resentful comparing his offering with his brother's, and it was about the posturing of his heart. We get caught up on the offering. It was about his heart posture. And the Lord said, do well and be accepted. But if you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door. And it wants you. But you must master it. God would not have told Cain to do something he could not do. He said, sin is like a coiled serpent. There is war at every door of opportunity. And God, look, at the, look at the kindness of God to give him strategy of how to get through this door without getting caught by the enemy. All Cain had to do was shema, shakad, shamer, wait, wait on the Lord, armor up. He gave him an invitation to repent, and he wouldn't do it. Cain would not do it. He's like, you're hearing a different voice, one that's subtle, it's smooth, it's slick. And it kisses your flesh, you know. Poor Cain. Mom and Daddy, now even God loved Abel more than you. I don't know what he said. But it was something smooth and slick, I can tell you. Mentioned Esther and a door, and she had to even come into an understanding of her true identity in order to safely navigate that door. She was terrified that if she went to the king's door unsummoned, they, there were doorkeepers at the king's door, and they held blades... And if you came and the king had not called for you, it was off with your head. Off with all their heads, right? But what is terrifying more than off with your head is what Mordecai said to Esther. He said, you know, we quote that part. For you have... Come to the king for such a time as this. And it's beautiful. But what did he say? <laughs> That's terrifying. The next sentence, the one that takes my, uh, the one preceding that takes my breath. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for God's people will come from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. I really don't think he was talking about um, Haman being able to kill her, although that may have been part of it. I think he was talking about the, he was trying to get her to operate out of the fear of the Lord. And like I told Daniel last night, it's so hard, which I think is a good thing. I used to, I used to feel tension in the, in the word of God in the kingdom, and I used to think, Oh, that's, that's not right. But I think the tension keeps you from going too far over here or too far over here, but keeps you in the path to stay and live and breathe in the fear of the Lord without being afraid of God. There's the, there's the rub, isn't it? There's the rub. So that the fear of the Lord draws you to him, not repel you from him. Oh, that's where we're going, I believe. There was war Esther's door, and she had to listen to God for wisdom and strategy. The beautiful door that opened up in Acts 3, 
when the man at the beautiful gate, I, th- I think, I think, It was Peter and John, right? And they were walking, and I think a portal opened up right there. And I think right at that beautiful door, they called it the beautiful gate, the beautiful door, I think they saw Ezekiel's river running out from under the threshold. And they said, if we can get this crippled man, he doesn't need silver or gold. What he needs to do is get in the river. And they saw that door open up and they put him in that river. And that river moved up his legs and restored him completely, physically, a river of healing. Because there's provision at every door that God has opened. And I love this thing that Danny was talking about on this past week, if you saw it. Um, um, where he said, uh, Jesus uh, opens doors that no man can shut. And he shuts doors that no man can open. So there are things, it's not just, again, walk as like a walking through the door, but there are things in the door that we need for that next realm. And if we think the enemy is just going to take that laying down, Well, you know. So Peter gave out some good information when he was at that door. He turned around to the people and he said, turn back to God. Repent and return. Change your mind about some things. You've been believing one way and I need to shift your attention into a different way of seeing this door open. Uh, He said... Sins can be removed in times of refreshing. That word is literally the same picture of when God walked through the garden with Adam and Eve before. At times of refreshing, a cooling breeze can come until Jesus comes to restore everything. Because that day is coming. But in the meantime, we need refreshing. Right? And, of course, there's a war. At, there was a war at that door because as they were speaking, religious soldiers came to arrest them. They threatened them. They said, shut your mouths. And then the church got together and they said, oh, this is scary. What are we going to pray for? Let's pray for more of this. Let's pray for more boldness. And they did. And God's answer was to shake the room when they prayed. He swung, it's almost like you can hear him swinging that door open. It just made the whole room shake. Revelation 3.8 talks about a door for Philadelphia, the church at Philadelphia. He said, you got a little power, but even a little power is enough power to keep my word and not deny my name. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set before you a wide open door. And you'll be able to see it. And nobody will shut this door but me. And I'm about to turn some tables because you've got endurance. And you've learned how to ask me for what I want to give you. Because endurance is knowing how to receive what God has and to keep going. Not just like, oh God, well, you know, but in hope. Right? In hope. This endurance, um, the ability to turn back the battle at the gate, is generational. Joshua 19.51, and this is another component for me, says that Joshua and Eleazar and the fathers divided and distributed the inheritance at the door of the tent of meeting. They specifically went to the door of the tent of the presence of God To divide the inheritance. And I'm telling y'all, there are decisions that we are each making right now that will impact the generations to come. There are words I'm speaking right now 
that will impact the course of generations to come. Psalm 141 says, Set a guard, Lord, on my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. Put a fort, literally, put a fortress door over my lips. There is war at the door. And listen, it's not in this age just what I say with my mouth, but I have 10 little tongues right here. I ain't going to say nothing, but... Well, I wasn't going to say anything about that, but... It's serious, y'all. It's for serious. I mean, like, I just have to, I have to constantly say, check, check, Holy Spirit, check, check. Do I say, nope, oh, no, put my hands down, put them in my pockets, leave it out, leave it, no, don't, Jesus, mm-mm. Set a guard on my, you know, maybe this is one of the reasons why God gives us tongues, because the more I'm praying in tongues and don't know what I'm praying, the less of these tongues I'm going to use that'll get me in trouble, right? And so, Lord, Lord Jesus, I thank you. There's a war at the door. And God is going to be doing this. Because, because it's not just about me. You remember the king who said, sure, he told his enemies, but they were being friendly. Come on in. Look at everything I have. Who was that? Which king? Hezekiah? He's like, come on in. Look at my treasury room. See what God has given me. And he invited them in. And was it the Assyrians? He invited them in. And they looked all around at their stuff. And then they went home and made plans to come rob him. And the prophet came to him and said, you should have never done it. And he said, he said, because if you, if what you did was open a door to the enemy and your children will be hauled off into captivity. And I love Hezekiah, but what he said next just is just horrific. He's like, as long as I don't have to see it. Now, like, that is such a short mentality, right? That. That's not understanding the inheritance of generations. We're people like David who didn't even get to build the temple but laid up in store all the supplies that Solomon would need in order to build the thing. It's having a generational outlook. It broke me down a couple of weeks ago when during the big, big prayer room, both a teen and a... Septuagenarian or octogenarian, she's sitting on the front row here, we're standing up here. I mean, like I just stood up here and bawled like a baby because they both came forward for prayer to ask God for more. It wrecked me. It wrecked me right now thinking about it. She turned to him and she prophesied over this teenager and she said, the goodness of God over your life. I thought of that scripture. I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. We can't, I can't do it for the next generation. I can't do it for anybody coming behind me. But bless God, with the grace of God, I should be able to show you how it's done. I should be able to assist you in doing it. And I should be able to cheer you on as you do it by yourself. I'll be like, yes, you're doing it, you're doing it. Right? But this is coming as a revelation that there are generations to come that need what we're saying and what we're doing. We've been way too 
far too short-sighted, nearsighted, thinking it's just about me. And whew, I need to be able to pass on to my children and my children's children's children an inheritance. That word inheritance is nachalah. It means, it comes from a root word that can mean both to inherit or a homonym of that word means a stream or a torrent or a river or a flood. When David reached down and pulled out five stones out of the brook, he was pulling out of the inheritance. When I need a weapon to go against my enemy, you need your inheritance. So one of the best pictures I've found of the word inheritance is any wealth that's flowing from one generation to the next generation. This is a good man leaves an inheritance to his children. It's children's children. Now, that's not just money. David said, the, the land you've given me is beautiful. He called his inheritance my lot. He said, it's beautiful to me. And that included how close the Lord was to him. When he sang that the Lord would show up in pray, whenever David praised him, counsel in the night, unshakable confidence, glad heart, weightiness of glory. David laid down in front of the Ark of the Covenant and wrote songs. In Psalm 119 and 111, it says God's testimonies are our inheritance. In Job 27, 13, it says God's punishment of wickedness is an inheritance. Proverbs 3.35 says stubborn fools inherit disgrace, but the wise inherit glory and honor. I've looked at what it means to inherit means you have to receive. So you have to ask for your inheritance. The Levites had to ask for the pasture that God promised them. The daughters of Zelophkad, those girls that did not have a brother to inherit and they were about to be cut out. They went to Moses. They had to challenge the old wineskin of who gets to inherit. God said, they're right. They get their daddy's portion. We do well to stir up passion in our hearts for whatever Jesus has for us. To go after every blessing of Christ. He paid such a high price in order that our names would be written in his will. Paul says, I pray you'd have wisdom and revelation about this. That the eyes of your imagination would be full of light so that you could see the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. And the Megatron dunamis power, massive power toward you is the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You need your inheritance now. Inheritance is protection. Wisdom and inheritance. Can't beat that. We are not broke. It should stir my heart for a passionate pursuit of everything Holy Spirit has sealed me for in the pursuit of all that Jesus has paid for. Ooh. Thank you. Yes. Where is the passion to pursue him and his promises in me? Where, I, so like those girls who go and ask, 
their daddy did not inherit everything that had been promised to him. So it was their turn to ask. Generations of my before that came before me did not receive the fullness of the promises of God. And it's still every generation gets an opportunity to ask for those desolate inheritances to be restored. I am not, God is not defined by my experience or my mother's experience or her mother's experience. God is defined by the word of God. But the inheritance of Israel, both when they're originally given and when it was restored in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, was being occupied by enemies. Think about it. God said, here is your inheritance. It's full of giants. (laughs) You're like, I just wanted you to give it to me after it was already cleaned up. But the Lord wants to co-labor. He wants us to co-labor with him, right? And he doesn't want us to get it on our own. He wants us to come to him and say, Lord, give me strategy for this. Caleb inherited a city, but he had to war for it. Here was Caleb's obedience. He said, this is, this is what obedience sounds like. Oh, we should by all means go up and take it. We shall surely overcome it. I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago. I am well able. If anything else is coming out of my mouth, then I've got a different spirit. And I need to have a check, check, checkity, check, check. Fear of the future will rob me of my inheritance. Has the enemy been trying that one on you? Flashing pictures of your future in front of you like a deck of cards. Using all kind of witchcraft to conjure up enemies of your future. When it says in the word that because you are part of the Proverbs 31 woman, you can laugh at your future. Whew. The word says Caleb had a different spirit. We've got to have the same one. It's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. God has the strategy and wisdom for every battle. Okay. And uh, so let me see how far I am. Can I say one more thing about that? Can I say one more thing? And then I'll say one more thing about that. Okay, just not to be, I'm not trying to mislead anybody. I might have two more things after that. But I got one more thing. <laughs> Different people, you know, you listen to, and you know the Lord's speaking to you about it, uh, something really important. Um, at Thanksgiving, I was able to preach about uh, one of the things, one of the ways to repel a war at the door is to learn how to praise in the gate. Isn't that good? All right. That's why she's on the front row. Worship is a weapon of divine reversals. If you go through the word, you will find that thanksgiving, praise and thanksgiving is tied to the enemy's defeat. And the traps laid for the people of God will be returned to cinder. Think about it. Paul and Silas were in the bottom of the jail and they were singing and praying in the middle of the night and the shackles on their feet were loosed. Loosed there means returned to cinder. They experienced a Psalm 149 moment with a song in the night and they were not even in bed. Psalm 9 says the Lord is famous for this. While the wicked are digging a pit for other people, they're actually setting the terms for their own judgment. So Bill Johnson has, if y'all know what the kinds of things he's walked through 
physically, even in his own family in the last almost two years now, you know, it's, he's, when he's preaching out of something, it's, it's raw and it's, it's his experience. And he said the Lord came to him one night, it's been a while ago, and he woke up out of a dead sleep going, knowing that the Lord had spoken to him and he didn't really understand what it said. He said, a walled city without gates is not entirely safe. That's what the Lord said to him. And so he's got a beautiful teaching. He keeps building layer and layer and layer of it. And I just heard him in January and he, was, he had that same teaching. It's beautiful. If you really want to hear it, you should Google it and hear the whole thing because he, he says it so well. But he said, there were walls of salvation, the word says, and gates of praise. And he said, a walled city without gates. That's my part. Salvation is God's part. Praise is my part. Without praise, it is not safe. A city is not safe unless it has gates. Praise is a significant safety structure. He said, disappointment and resentment are the two biggest cripplers in the church today. He said, if we cannot navigate our hearts in loss and during times of betrayal and criticism and trouble, then we cannot handle the blessings that he wants to pour out. Y'all feel that? He said, we're not always in, in a tight place because of something we did wrong, but possibly because of something we did right. You know, that, you know that passage in Psalm that says, we sing that little song, This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it. He said, just shoot up a, shoot up a verse or two and you'll see what day that the Lord made. It says, the day of rejection. When the builders rejected the cornerstone and God said, well, good, because now I'm going to take and turn it into a capstone. It's a day of rejection is sometimes very frequently in the kingdom if we can navigate the door, a day of promotion. So he said... It's an intense hour, and we are on assignment, and the Holy Spirit wants to inhabit our praise. My thoughts about God's character, and any way that I don't think rightly about God's character, times when I felt like he failed me in the past, or he wasn't for me, or I just don't even really want to think about it because it just didn't go well. And I got a little trauma drama left over from some situation. Well, he wants to change my mind about God in those situations until my mind becomes more habitable for him. He said, giving God praise in loss is the most logical thing you will ever do. Mourning and grieving are meant to lead us into relationship and revelation of God, not away from him. And he said the key component here is hope. Hope. It's frail, but it's hard to kill. These three remain faith, hope, and love. And love is ancient. It's the biggest. It's the one in the ground. If, it, if, if that was a plant, hope would be the stem and faith the flower. But love would be the root, right? So, Hosea 2. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. And I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Accor as a door of hope. 
and she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up from the land of Egypt. And it will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi, husband. You will no longer call me Bailey, master. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth so that they will be mentioned by their names no more. He goes on and he, he gets into some betrothal language. And he said, all this is going to happen when I build a door of hope in the valley where there's been nothing but trouble. And if you're if you if you ain't scared, you should go read Joshua six and seven to find out why this valley got named the Valley of Trouble. It's a scary passage. The forbidden plunder of Jericho was found in one man's tent that caused the defeat for the entire nation. At a piddling city. Second city they went up against. Jericho, big win. Y'all know the story. They brought the walls down by walking around and shouting with a joyful shout and blowing the trumpets. So when they saw AI coming up, they said, let's send scouts out there. It's piddling. We only need a handful of men to go take that city. Did you see what we did at Jericho? But the problem was God had put the kibosh on the things taken from Jericho. He was like, the stuff is cursed. Do not pick it up. Bring the gold and the silver. We'll put it in my treasury. God can clean up stuff like that. But all that other junk has got to be burned. It is not for you. But this man named Achan, he set it up so that when they went to defeat Ai, 36 of his brothers died in that battle. It was needless. And here's the thing. He couldn't even use the mess he picked up. It's real interesting when you see what his, what he, how he reports it. He said, I saw the stuff. I wanted the stuff. I took the stuff. It sounds a lot like Genesis 3. One thing that he took was a Babylonian robe. I don't know. Maybe it had Babylonian things on it. Maybe it called up Babylonian gods. I don't know. It was pretty, and he took it. He dug a hole in the floor of, on the, in the dirt of his tent and hid everything there. He took a robe he couldn't wear and gold and silver he could not spend. Think about it. I mean, isn't that the lie of the enemy? Try to, let's trade. I'll give you something. This stuff right here is real valuable. It's very valuable. See, because value gets assigned at the door. Value gets assigned at the gate. God is revaluing some stuff for us right now. So... This man, this troubler, he had every opportunity to repent. Joshua had asked God, what happened? Now everybody's going to come out the woodwork because they, they know we can be beaten. All night, he could have run to Joshua and confessed, but he would not. He waited for God to out him. He knew. Joshua said, tomorrow morning, I'm going to call Eric. The whole camp comes out, 
I'm going to call out each tribe until we figure out which tribe. I'm going to call out each clan until we figure. I'm going to call out each family. And then I'm going to go man by man until we find out who it was that took whatever, whatever happened. We don't, I don't know what happened. He could have repented at any moment. You know, there's that passage in Deuteronomy that says, your sins will find you out. But there's also this beautiful way Jesus said it. Luke 8, he said, nothing is hidden that shall not become evident, nor anything secret that shall not be known and come to light. I don't believe it's just the truth of a matter and to, you know, to, to out people, but also the other side of that coin is like there's, there's some things we all need to just kind of get repentant about. If the, if the Holy Ghost is telling me, it's time. Checkity check, check. Checkity check. But then the other part of that, other side of that coin is, there's some mysteries of the kingdom that have been hidden up until now. That God is pulling back the cover on things that we've never understood about the kingdom. And, God, and Jesus said, Hey, that's, that's getting uncovered right now because we're at the gate. We're at the door. And there's revelation at the door. Y'all, just as, a, just as a prophetic picture of this, just this last week, I'm watching online. I'm watching. What? They are uncovering a 40-year cold case out of Jack's Creek. 40 years. Nobody knows where these people went to. Now, all that was done in the natural. But I'm telling you, it's a sign that God is uncovering things. He's uncovering. He's, he's, he's not just, it's not like he's uncovering people. But what he's doing is bringing revelation to things that have been hidden from us. It's a good time. It's a good, good time. And here's the hope part, right? Clean out the tent and victory is restored. Bring every hidden thing out to the obedience of Christ because God has already built a door of hope in the very valley where there's been so much trouble. I don't have time to tell you the last story. So I, I maybe what I will do is, maybe I can put this on Facebook. Maybe I can do like Danny and make a little video. <laughs> put it up there. Because this is a beautiful story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. You think that's what I'm doing? Oh, no, no. I'll do it. Because I can do it. It's short. Uh this to me is a picture, what Danny's talking about is a picture of, uh, it's not just like a, you know, we talk about a door is being opened by the Lord. And we have, a, we, we think metaphorically, the door is, God is giving me an opportunity. And that's part of what the last story is about. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, a great and effectual door has been opened to me, but there are many adversaries. This is a beautiful picture. That effectual door, effectual, doesn't mean it's a metaphor for it's very opportunistic. That's how we would say it sometimes. The word is power. A wide door of miraculous power is open to me. And if you go read what Paul is talking about, He's referencing way back in, um, I think it's Acts 19, where they were bringing cloths and handkerchiefs and laying them on Paul's body and then taking them and going and laying them on people who had demons. And the demons were screaming and coming out. And the people who were sick were being healed. 
My friends, that is a door of power. It is not a metaphor. It's an actual door. Well, one night uh, during a prayer watch at the beginning of a year, I think it was maybe two or three years ago, I can't really remember, we were just in here, you know, it was a handful, and we were just worshiping, and the music was on, and I was playing, and I'm minding my own business, and I just come over here like this, and when I get about right here, I was like, whoa, 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 there's something, oh, I, like, I just, you know, weebles wobble till, but they don't fall down, but I was like, I just, oof, I, it was like I was standing in front of a draft. Like somebody had opened a door and I was standing in the wind of that door open. Just like that. Like the door was open. I stood there for 30 or 45 minutes just. And Barry came over. I guess maybe at some point I said, I would like to join the rest of you, but I'm going to be standing here in the door. And Barry said, he had been up here walking, and he said, I saw that. It is a door open, and there were angels going in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. He said, I saw it before you said anything. I saw it before you go over. But he's like, you walked over to where I saw there was stuff going on. Right? There are doors opening everywhere. The Lord's doors are opening. There's a war at these doors. But listen, this is, this is for real stuff. I mean, this is, you know, this is for reals. And so, Lord, give us eyes to see as we... Daily watch. I'm going to call that praise team one up here. Give us eyes to see. <laughs> Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know, salvation. You're not safe at all unless you've inside the walls. So that's, that's a big deal right now. Lord, we just thank you for salvation. I thank you for the healing that's at every door. I keep seeing that Ezekiel River running, and the Lord said, you just, you just come, into that, um, come into that river and just let me wash you. I'm wash you. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a whole bunch there in chapters 5 and 6 and 7 of Joshua that set up a pattern for every time you're going in to take a promise. You will have you war for it, but there are things that you do, that they did in order to go in. And one of the things that they did when they went in was the manna stopped. And they started eating the bread of the land. And so, uh, you know, there's nothing better than this meal right here. But salvation is a, is a, is a, a thing you got. Like, if you're not saved, I believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God, my Savior, my Lord, and my King. And don't, don't, don't leave until that's secure. Keep securing that. That is, the, that is the thing that is most necessary. But Lord, I just thank you for gates of praise. I, think, I thank you for... I thank you for the gates of righteousness. I thank you that our supply and provision is in these, in these doors and gates that you're opening to us right now. I thank you that your presence is there. I thank you, Father, that um, your shalom is there. 
um, that we are learning how to multiply anything that you've given us, Lord. And God, um, I thank you for your, uh, all the help that we've needed. We can count on as a, a father gives help to his children. Your heart and compassion. This is not about being tested but come, but or or going through trials or anything. This is about coming forth like gold. That's that's what we're seeing, Father. We're seeing that we're being changed. We're being we're moving from glory to glory, from faith to faith. We are our faith is is being pure. We're being purified, and our faith is coming out like gold. God, we just thank you for it. And Lord, thank you for the thin places, the spaces between one realm and the next. Thank you, Father, that you're opening our eyes to see where the doors are that you have for us and the things that you have for us to grab hold of. Hmm. Thank you for victory, Lord. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. So, Lord, I just thank you for all that you have for us in this season. And, Lord, thank you for showing us anything that prevents us, that's troubling, that's a hindrance in moving from this realm to the next in this season. I retract. Like Job said, I retract and repent. I retract and repent. I've been, I was foolish. I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see you and it is enough. I am sorry, Lord. And the Lord said, I can use that. Now you pray for your friends and I'll restore them too. And so, Father, even the words that we've spoken from a previous day where we didn't understand, Lord, we thank you. We bring them to you. We retract and repent as you give us revelation of who you really are and your great love that you've just poured out on us. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus loves us. You know what? He does get us. But here's the thing. We get, we're, we're getting him. <laughs> That's the most important thing. We get him, and I'm going to get more and more revelation of who he is. We are, a, we are a force to be reckoned with as we get more and more revelation of who he is in this season of getting the inheritance and the promises of God. And we just thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love y'all. Thank you for hanging with me.